What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. This is not another Baptist podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. This podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Visit swibbits.edu to find out more about what God is doing on Seminary Hill. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. I am joined today by Cameron Triggs, Charles Boswell, and Josh a.k.a. formerly known as the Wrestling Pastor Revis. And today we're just going to share our hearts about the potential for a 2022 Pastors Conference. And uh, so that's really why we brought all of these guys together. I want to turn it over to Cameron Triggs, who is going to be nominated as the Vice President uh, for the 2022 Pastors Conference. And just Cameron, Tell us about who you are, where you're from, a little bit about your family, and what God is up to in your neck of the woods. Man, thanks for the opportunity to be on this. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, I, I'm excited about the possibility of serving as uh, vice president. As already stated, my name's Cam Triggs. I serve as a uh, lead pastor of Grace Alive Church in Orlando, Florida. Um, you guys know this as the happiest place on earth. Um, and, uh, many of you will be vacationing or visiting. Um, if you are, look me up. I'd love to do coffee with you. Um, and, uh, talk about, uh, pastor Mickey mouse if we can. Um, so that we're planting in this context of Orlando and, uh, we plant, we describe our church as, um, gospel-centered and multi-ethnic. Um, of course, we're centered and sent all out on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, but people may not know, um, man, uh, not too long ago, uh, Barna did a study in Orlando is the ninth most unchurched region in America and the sixth most de-churched region in America. And so we like to say the happiest place on earth has a whole only the gospel can feel. And so we're here on mission to plant a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church. We got people from all over Orlando, different communities and backgrounds, um, uh, African-American, Hispanic, Hogwarts. Um, we're, we're called the witches <laughs> and warlocks too, man, and getting the gospel out. And um, uh, it's been an exciting year. We just celebrated three years as, as a church plant. Of course, this uh, year with COVID uh, was definitely one of the most difficult to navigate. Uh, but through God's grace and his providence, um, we secured a permanent facility, um, been able to transition into that uh, facility and more so a community. We're in the Pine Hills community that's really an under-resourced um, area, about 10 minutes outside of downtown. And so we're very excited to be on mission in this context. Um, and even more importantly, to be in a church planner, man, I'm the husband uh, to my beautiful wife, Tymara Triggs. Um, she's a servant. She's a disciple maker, um, really is the glue to our household. And, um, and we have uh, two children um, uh, that uh, run us uh, crazy and keep <laughs> us faithful and on our knees praying. A uh, six-year-old boy named Cam. Uh, he's Cam the second and uh, a three-year-old girl named Karis. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, Cam. And uh, like I was sharing before we came live, that it's a joy. I, I'm grateful. I know the COVID-19 season has been difficult, uh, but at the same time, it's also put a lot of people online with live streams and so forth. And it's just kind of this picture of the gospel moving all the way across America on Sundays when I get up kind of early and see y'all go live and 
uh, Revis's church go live and so forth and just making it through to my buddies in Texas and get to pop in and, and kind of feel like I'm a visitor uh, in y'all's churches on Sundays. And so grateful for you and your ministry there. And uh, also on the show, we have Charles Boswell, who behind him might as well be a uh, a window because he is yes. also in paradise uh, in the mountains of Colorado. Charles, tell us who you are. We know uh, you are to be nominated for the treasurer of the 2022 Pastors Conference. But share with us now, you know, who you are, your family, what God is doing, what you do, and so forth. Well, Matt, I have you uh, to thank for that. You uh, sent me a text and we began this conversation. And uh, as I told you before, I've always tried to fly somewhat under the radar. Uh, and uh, it looks like uh, you have brought me out from underneath that radar and uh, put me in somewhat of the limelight. Um, thank you for that. Um, I'm, <laughs> yeah, blame I'm, that I'm on... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, as a denominational guy and probably the oldest one on this conversation, um, I think you brought me on here primarily for my gray hair. I think that's probably probably it. Uh, so yeah, I am Charles Boswell. I was 40 years as a, a serving in the local church, about 35 years as lead or senior pastor in churches uh, from South Carolina to uh, Virginia, to Texas, to New Mexico, Kansas. Uh, you know, me and Johnny Cash, uh, we've been everywhere, man. And so uh, the Lord has, has a way of, of putting me in different places in different opportunities. I've served, uh, I've planted a church before, brother, uh, Cam, and I know what that's like in Virginia. I uh, met in a Lapati daycare center and set up chairs and built our first facility and, and all of that. I've served in a county seat First Baptist Church. I've served in a capital city First Baptist Church. And um, I've served in the metropolitan area. So all kinds of churches, mostly where God has placed us has been churches that need somewhat of a revitalization process to take place. I've served, I've followed a guy 34 years and, um, and I've been the first pastor of a church. So really everything uh, under the radar, couldn't quite figure out what God was leading me to do through all that and why I had such an interesting resume until finally I came to Colorado, was asked by our former executive director who is now with the SBTC executive director, Nathan Lorick, uh, to come and be the director of pastor care and church health. And so for the past three years and three months, that's what I've been doing. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Patty. We've been married for 43 years. I have three incredible children, uh, two who are pastors. Uh, my youngest son is a church planner up in Canada, in Winnipeg right now with the moment with the North American Mission Board and, and the Canadian Baptist Convention. Uh, my daughter is serving in uh, human resources with uh, North Carolina state government, and she deals with children at risk. She's married to a great guy, and we have... Um, she has five of our grandchildren. Uh, my youngest son, who I mentioned earlier, Aaron, uh, has three of our incredible grandchildren. And then Matt, uh, who probably is the most popular of all the three of our kids, is a, a songwriter and now a pastor. Uh, and many of the guys probably have either heard of him or probably have sung their songs recently in their church. Uh, and he is raising money right now to help plant and to build his first facility on his five acres of land there in North Texas. Um, he has four of our incredible children. We have a total of 12 grandkids. And so God has been really, uh, has really blessed us with, uh, with a, a whole litter of family. <laughs> and uh, I am the son of a missionary. As you know, Matt, you, you know, my parents, that's how this connection started. 
they were uh, IMB missionaries, and Dad served in several churches as a pastor before and after the IMB. His last church was in Richmond, Virginia, um, and now he's retired and uh, is no longer even preaching. He's 86 years old and is confined to pretty much a wheelchair, uh, but still doing well. And he is a recipient of some of the funds that we're going to be raising uh, at the Pastors Conference in 2022. So I am here in Colorado. We have uh, close to 400 churches, 380 plus. Uh, my responsibility, not we, but ours uh, here in Colorado is to love on pastors, to be a sort of a pastor to pastors. Uh, having been a pastor for 40 years, I know that you're only a pastor to a pastor if you're allowed to do that. And you get that permission to do that through relationships. And so over the past three and a half years, I'm developing relationships with our guys. And I can tell you that uh, of all of our 380 plus pastors here, they're incredible guys doing some great work. Uh, some in the metropolitan area and many in very remote parts of, of our state, kind of like you, Matt, um, and doing great, great work. So it's my privilege to do that, to kind of float around the whole state. Wow. So that's kind of what I do here. And uh, I'm just happy to be a part of this team and looking forward to what God's going to do. Amen. Thank you for coming on. And uh, it's it's good to connect with you. Uh, your dad had to put up with me as a youth pastor that knew everything. <laughs> and uh, and he didn't kill me uh, for some reason. So I am grateful for, for him. Those that yeah. have been listening to Not Another Baptist podcast for a while were introduced to this other knucklehead uh, a while back because of a little Twitter account called The Wrestling Pastor uh, that has since well, it's retired. Like all good things, sometimes they come to an end. And uh, Wrestling Pastor hung up his mask for a little while. And uh, But Josh Revis has been on before. And uh, But Josh, just briefly remind us who you are, where you're serving, and then we're going to turn it over to you and you kind of flip the table on us. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Matt. Uh, my name is Josh Revis. I'm the Associate Pastor at North Jacksonville Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I've been here almost my whole life. My dad uh, is the senior pastor here. I serve alongside my dad. We have a blast doing that. Um, he's been the pastor here for almost 30 years, um, but my dad's been pastoring Southern Baptist churches uh, since 1979. Uh, so it's I've got a long history uh, with the SBC, um, and I've taken on the smallest of all of the four responsibilities here where you guys are putting your hat in the ring to actually take on the responsibilities of president, vice president, treasurer of this pastor's conference, which is such a huge undertaking, I have volunteered to give a speech that's going to last three minutes. And so <laughs> I feel like I got the easiest part of the whole thing, but I'm willing to even do that part of it, um, but, which is something really out of the ordinary for me. I don't, it's not something that I would usually find myself doing, but as Matt and uh, you and I became friends, and as you began to talk about sort of this idea you had for what a pastor's conference could be and could look like, I found myself really resonating with it going, man, that's what it should be. And that's what it should look like. Uh, it shouldn't be an anomaly or a novel idea. And so when uh, the person who was unable to nominate you and I was like, man, I'd love to do it. I'd love that opportunity because I believe in you. And then uh, as you were putting this together, uh, most people would, and there's a clear understanding that these are three different positions that have three different responsibilities that are going to require three separate nominations but you really came to this. You didn't just throw darts at sort of a Baptist dartboard and just go, who could I pick? You've really thought about this as a team and as a really broad vision about what's going to encompass every aspect of this down to the people that you thought, if I'm going to do this, who would I want to do this with? And so why was that important to you to choose the guys that you chose 
uh, to go along with the vision that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Yeah, I'd like to know that too, Matt. Yeah, well, well, Charles is is easy. I just wanted to make up for for uh, how bad I treated his dad uh, as a youth pastor. No, you know, real, really, in the SBC, as we've talked about a number of times on this podcast, we we have guys uh, in the mega churches in the biggest cities in America, and then we have guys in the micro churches that that don't even have a name on a map. Uh, you know, Mayhill, in fact, is not on your regular atlas. Uh, you and so we have everything across the board. And in this team that we have here, we've got people that have planted churches, people that are planting churches, people that have revitalized churches, people that are helping revitalize churches. We've got uh, young guys and we've got, uh, I'll say, I'll be very careful here. They're called uh, se- <laughs> seasoned individuals. Seasoned pastors here. And and so that was kind of the idea of, of looking as, I, I don't look at, at the treasurer is just a guy that's going to balance the checkbook. I don't look at the vice president as just another guy that's on the team. I really wanted three guys that kind of share the same vision of representing the SBC as a whole, where we can bounce off ideas at one another and and really see this as a team uh, approach to the pastors conference. And so, you know, Cameron with, you know, one, I enjoy listening to him preach. And so I felt like since I can't give him a tithe on Sunday, maybe this would be a way to give back a little bit. Uh, but, but no, really Cameron is somebody that loves on pastors. You don't have a conversation with Cameron without being, I mean, you, there, it is impossible to out encourage Cameron. And I always leave conversations and texts uh, with him more encouraged than I came in. And so he has that same heartbeat. With Charles, I don't know him very well, knew his dad obviously uh, exceedingly well. But as I was uh, looking at what he does there in Colorado, uh, the work that he does with Pastor Health and the uh, challenges that we may or may not have in working with state uh, conventions and so forth to raise money. Uh, some people don't realize that the guy that uh, ultimately gets that title of president, it's his responsibility to really bring in the the money to fund it. And uh, Amen. Amen. I don't I don't know about you, uh, but but my church Mayhill Baptist, if I come to them and say, hey. I, can can we get about 700k uh you know right now they're probably going to be like you're fired <laughs> and so but no we will have to work together and and to have somebody that has some of those relationships knows how some of that works uh really each of us have something that we can bring to this team and uh, beyond all of that uh all of these three guys uh I believe in including you Josh as an associate pastor really all of us love Jesus love pastors and want to see more people saved. And and if we have that together in unity, uh, then we can do something really awesome together. Awesome. Well, by the time this pastor's conference that we're talking about 2022 takes place, it will have been three years since we've actually had a traditional pastor's conference that met 2019 in Birmingham. Uh, We missed it because of COVID 2021. We're having a SEND conference, which is going to be an exciting time. But this idea of returning back to a traditional pastor's conference in 2022 
And uh, my earliest memory of the pastor's conference in 1988, my dad put us all in the car and drove us to San Antonio. Um, I'm sure I went to several before that, but it was in the height of the resurgence and we had to go vote. And so I got introduced to the Alamo and Adrian Rogers all in one trip. But it was like we were going because my dad and he wanted to go to the pastor's conference because there was this list of guys he wanted to hear preach. And then he came home with a big cassette tape folder full of all the sermons that were preached. And, uh, and so for him, the pastor's conference was this huge deal because of what he was going to get to experience there. And it's taken lots of different shapes and forms, depending on who's been the one who has had that presidential role. And so each one casts a very clear and unique vision. And Matt, you have a very unique vision for what you want this to look like. And you've really built it on five pillars. So what I'm going to do is just sort of set these pillars on a T, let you guys hit them, and then I'll keep throwing them out until we work our way through all five. The first, and really my favorite, because this is what drew me to uh, your vision for it, is the idea of everyday pastors. Uh I know that there's a misconception you want to debunk right from the beginning that this isn't an all-inclusive vision. It really is because it's about even though uh, the bell curve of representation of what the normal SBC church looks like, we need all of those churches and all of those pastors. So talk a little bit about why Everyday Pastors matters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, first you touched on what it's not. It's not just the the conference for the small church pastor. It's and it's not the conference just for the mega church pastor. It's the conference for all Southern Baptist Convention pastors uh, because we are all truly are on the same team. You know, my my logo might you know here just be the steeple of our church. We've got Grace Alive here. We've got you know all these different churches in all different sizes, all different contexts, all pastors by faithful men who love Jesus and want to see more people fall in love with Jesus too. And so my hope is to ultimately platforms that can rep represent and have people in the seats or the pews or whatever it's going to be uh, that can look up at that stage and say, that guy gets what I'm going through. And whether that's a church plant, an established church, or somewhere in between, whether that's a micro church like ours or a mega church or somewhere in between, uh, where all of us out on the seats can look up at that stage and say, that guy represents what I'm going through and knows exactly what I'm dealing with. And so that way, when we look across the SBC, and, and Charles, you know this, there are guys hanging on by a thread that are just barely hanging on and they're trying hard. And then there's a few guys out there, you know, out of 47,000, there has to be one. I haven't met one, uh, but there's some that are on cloud nine. They just, everything they do is going well. There's people getting saved. Everything is great. Family's great. All of that kind of stuff. But we have everything in between that are going to come to Anaheim uh, to be uh, encouraged and, and hopefully encouraged just to hold on. And, uh, and so that's why I want to platform a group of guys that can faithfully preach the word and so forth, as we'll touch on and some of these other principles that represent each of those areas. And uh, whether it's small church, big church, rural church, city church, everything in between, uh, where we truly represent what the SBC is. Now, the second principle is uh, really, it's the backbone, it's the spine of the convention itself. And that's a pastor's conference where you get to hear preaching. Most pastors uh, spend the bulk of their year doing the preaching. And very rarely uh, do we get the opportunity to get to sit and to just listen, to be poured into. Um, and there really is something different between having a podcast in your ears while you're driving around or mowing the grass, and then actually being in the room with a group of people being underneath the word 
And especially when you get the opportunity to hear from other pastors who are desiring to encourage you with the word of God. And Cam, you're such a gifted preacher, man. I love listening to you online. You have such an ability to communicate the word clearly and powerfully um, in a multitude of contexts. Why does this idea of expositional preaching, why is it so important and so crucial to what you guys are wanting to build for this pastor's conference? Uh, Yeah, I'm really excited about this principle um, as well, uh, because, I mean, expositional preaching isn't uh, just a style to conviction. Um, I know in a lot of circles, sometimes it is generalized as a particular style uh, to, you know, means that you're going to follow a certain uh, template or sound like somebody. Um, But it's really a a conviction to say we're going to preach the text. For what it means. Uh, we're going to look at it uh, in its historical context and its canonical context, look at the literary um, aspects of this particular text and really just lift it out for us in this present day, present day and moment. Um, and I think that's where the power is. If we think of you know, all the things that we could present to people, whether it's philosophy or advice, um, I think what pastors need is the word of God. Um, and we're in a context as pastors where uh, Sunday after Sunday, we really have to contextualize our own study, our own exegesis, that God will use the Holy Spirit to really uh, minister to us in our study, in our offices, um, in times where we're studying at the kitchen table before uh, we get to present it to others. And, and God does a miraculous work a lot of times on those Sundays. Um, but for most pastors, it's a rare occasion to be in that spiritual moment under the voice of another pastor who cares for you, who cares for the same cooperative mission we have and actually speak to us to be refreshed, to be replenished um, and to be um, re-energized for the mission uh, that we have uh, before us. And so I think, man, both of these uh, principles, everyday pastors who are doing biblical exposition um, is a a momentum that has really been the bread and butter of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, And I think it's one of the reasons it precedes the business. Um, I think it's one of the reasons it's been a tool for the conservative resurgence. I think it's one of the reasons that it is um, something that pastors from all throughout the nation um, and throughout the world look towards to hear these voices um, because we know it's going to be robust. It's going to be biblical and it's going to be centered from uh, godly men that we trust that are leading our churches. And so I think to have a conference that platforms that unashamed about it um, is a conference that I want to go to and personally just sit under um, pastors who are passionate about his people and passionate about his word. Yeah, I love the idea, too, that some of the best pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention, we've never heard some of the best preachers. We've never even heard one of their sermons and the opportunity to get to possibly take submissions or get recommendations and to start combing through and to get exposed to all of these guys out there that are so good. We all know the who's who, but some of the best preaching is being done by the who's that. But these guys and I can tell you, I've been in associational meetings or moments where you hear some guy you've never seen in your life and you go, what a perfect word for the perfect moment that God had for me. And to give some guys an opportunity, there are going to be some guys who would get invited to this, who it'll be the 10th time they've done something like that. But for some, it'll be a once in a lifetime opportunity they never imagined that they would get. And to be able to platform that kind of preaching and get to say in these places you've never thought about, this kind of preaching is happening. And this is why we partner together. Mm. That's an exciting thing. Josh, now, I, I think. Oh, man, yeah, go Kim. To elaborate what better place than the Southern Baptist Convention for that? Yes. I mean, a body of pastors that says we're democratized 
and also holds to a doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Yes. Um, there's no such thing as a Southern Baptist Pope. Uh, <laughs> and so we, we, we should really own that, that man, it doesn't matter if he's pastoring uh, 20 people or, or 20,000, the, the same word and the same spirit that is lives in him to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is going to be something amazing to experience. Yeah. And this, I've got this, you know, vision in my mind, and I think it is so exciting. This shared pulpit where you do have a guy who pastors 5,000 people, and then he closes his Bible, and then it's turned over, and that same podium is shared by a guy who's pastoring 50 people in a place that some people may not be able to find on a map. And that's who we are, and that's the team that we're on, and you're so right, Cam. Uh, there's there's no big shots when it comes to the kingdom of God and when it comes to the work that we're doing. And to be able to really celebrate that in a way where it says, here's the guy you've heard of, here's the guy you've never heard of, get ready for an equal blessing. Um, it's an exciting opportunity. Now, the third uh, principle is encouraging unity. And Charles, uh, in the job that you do, you get to work with pastors and churches of all shapes, all sizes, all over the state of Colorado, working in different contexts, even within the same state. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of why coming together for those couple of days before the annual meeting, why embracing unity really should be uh, the tie that binds us together as we're coming uh, to, to gather there for that few days and why it's going to be pivotal for this kind of pastor's conference? Uh, I agree with um, with what's been said so far. I think some of our best preachers are in some of the smaller churches. Uh, it's been my privilege and honor to be across the state. Uh, I have preached as few as 12 and as many as 1,400. I have heard guys who are preaching to as few as 12 and as many as 1,400. And to be quite honest with you, I think uh, I have yet to hear a bad sermon from a bad communicator. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what Matt and the vision that God has given him to be a part of this. And I also was thinking about this just last Sunday. We were thinking about my uh, contribution to this, I guess, today. My wife and I, um, over 40 years of being in local church, were not really able to be united in worship ourselves, a husband and wife. Um, until last Sunday, we, we sat with we two services uh, in the same town, uh, 9.15 and a, a 10.30 service, and listened to two pastors. And my wife and I got to stand side by side and worship the Lord together and open the word together and to spend that time together. So I'm hoping the pastor's conference can unify, first of all, our families. Uh, I can remember, too, when I went 40 plus years ago to these conferences as well, Josh, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I've sat through those things and heard the, the big time guys and, and walked away with sermon illustrations and, and, and sermon notes and outlines and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but uh, I'm excited about the agenda that Matt has got together, and I'm looking forward to hearing some really. I have not heard You Can Preach. I am going to do that as soon as this podcast is over. I guarantee it. I need something for Sunday, man. I'm doing an interview right now at Riverside in downtown Denver, and uh, I need to know what you've preached on the passage. I'm going to preach Sunday. I hope they're they're aligned out so I can look at the text and, and find your sermon that I'm preaching. But anyway, uh, and, and we need some unity. And and I'm, I'm going to bring the scripture into this. Ephesians 4, 1 and 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And, you know, to be quite honest, man, 40 years of pastoring, and I deal with 
pastors three plus three years now in a couple of months. Uh, pastors have enough conflict and opportunities for disunity than we've ever had before, especially during the pandemic. The mask, the no mask. Uh, when do we get to take them off? You know, the pastor just, I mean, he's caught in between all of this conflict and controversy and, and especially some of the convention stuff that's going on right now. I would hope and pray that this conference would be one where pastors could come and can just, you know, worship side by side with their family, uh, sing praises to the Father, listen to a great exegetical biblical message that will encourage and inspire them to go home and continue fighting a good fight and running the good race. Um, that's what I remember when I was younger. And I hope that's something that we can continue to do because as Southern Baptists, if we don't unite, uh, I think there was an article in Christianity Today. If I'm not mistaken, somebody told me that in the office today that there's a an article in Christianity Today that said the SBC is is over or something like that. Am I right? I believe so. Yeah, uh, we're not over, and and I think God is going to do a great work and is going to do a greater work than He's ever done before through Southern Baptist cooperative efforts and in our joint united effort to take the gospel to every person in every home in every city uh, from coast to coast and around the world. And so, man, I'm just looking forward to, to the unity that I hope and pray that this will bring in 2022. Uh, it'll be the first time in three years that we've come together as pastors and have been led by pastors, two pastors, four pastors. Uh, not that I want to undermine what we're doing this year, because I think the International Mission Board and the Home Mission Board need this kind of emphasis right now more than any other time. And I'm glad to be a part of that uh, in a couple of weeks with you guys there. So, um, I'm thankful for the opportunity, Matt, and I hope that, that our, our time together in 2022 will bring pastors together unlike we've not done in quite some time. Awesome. Well, and one of the things that will unify is the idea of worshiping together. And that's why coming into the same room with a group of people and worshiping, uh, everybody can be angry and contentious and fight on Twitter. It's easy. Uh, it's easy to get behind a keyboard and and yell stuff, type stuff in all caps and be mad. And what I find is none of those people do that stuff when they get in the same room together. And it's also really hard to sit in a room to sing together, pray together, listen to preaching together, and then go in the expo hall and yell at each other. It just doesn't usually happen because there's something unifying about being in the presence of God together, being under the teaching of his word, worshiping alongside you tend to get back to what unifies rather than just majoring on what divides these oftentimes small things. So worship is going to be a key part of what we're doing. So Matt, um, there's going to be a worship aspect to what we're doing involving prayer, music, giving. So talk a little bit about what the worship aspect, including the preaching, uh, but the things uh, we've talked primarily about preaching, but the, uh, the other areas in which we'll be worshiping. Talk about what that's going to look like. What, what I think is so brilliant about that is, is just here at, at our church, we have a monthly business meeting. And when I saw that when I came, I nearly said, I'm not interested. I'm going to another church. <laughs> like, I've been in those bad business meetings before. I don't want anything to do with that every single month. But what we started doing was singing together and praying together and reading God's word together before we would launch into those business meetings. And it changed everything. And our, our business meetings here have been just a wonderful time of unity and worship and all of that. And I realize that you uh, take 50 people here and then multiply that to get to 11,000 or 12,000. That's a whole different thing. But yes, 
engaging worship, uh, and, and one of the things I teach our folks is it's more than ju just the music that we sing. Yes, the music that we're going to sing at, at this is going to come from a variety of different contexts. I shared in the principle that we may even have bluegrass because after all, I'm in the mountains and I just feel like that's necessary uh, for it to have beard, some flavor yeah. of Matt. Yeah, and the beard in there. I might be up there with the guys, uh, you know, singing. And uh, But then at the same time, to have maybe a choir, to have a praise team, uh, to really reflect just the same thing we're doing with the preaching, why wouldn't we also do that with the the music, where it would be what is similar to what's happening at Grace Alive, what's happening at Mayhill Baptist, and everything in between. And uh, and also with prayer, uh, we cannot emphasize prayer enough as a convention, let alone certainly in the pastor's conference. And uh, there's going to be time for, I believe, guided prayer. There's going to be time just for corporate prayer. Hopefully there's going to be time where we're just on our face before God seeking his will and, and him to lead us to the lost and, and all of that, that we're going to emphasize prayer. And uh, Charles touched on something earlier. Uh, I have a uh, just a passion for mission dignity. And I don't know all of the ins and outs of the SBC Pastors Conference, how all of this kind of stuff is going to work. But one thing that I'm going to fight tooth and nail to be able to do is to raise money. Uh, part of worship is giving. And, uh, and so I want to see us raise money maybe for missions and so forth. But also, if we're going to be a pastors conference for pastors, there's pastors now that can no longer pastor. And for some, when they can no longer pastor, they may not any longer get a paycheck. And, uh, and I, I shudder to think that in, in a position like this, uh, that, that we would not take a moment uh, to do something to give back to help them. Uh, I love the mission of Mission Dignity. I love what they're doing and to be able to raise funds for, for that. And so between music, prayer, giving, and of course, preaching, we've touched on that. Uh, all of that really is going to be that worship that we're going to engage every pastor, big, small, everything in between to care for those that have kind of paved. I mean, we're we're in our pulpits today because by and large of the work that some of these retired pastors have done over the years before we were even conceived, you know, so to give back to them too uh, is going to be a very important aspect for, for me. So from singing, praying, giving, and uh, preaching, we're, we're going to worship. Well, and then to uh, land the plane here with the fifth and final one, pastoring always has its own unique challenges. And, but 2020 brought on a whole new, really just ex extraordinary challenges that were faced. And we're now seeing some of the fallout of that. Uh, we're seeing pastors and, and Charles, you can probably speak to this here in a moment. Pastors quitting at an alarming rate, churches that are folding um, at record numbers uh, when it comes to just what has been experienced. There's a discouragement that pastors have experienced. There's a frustration. And some of them have just said, I, I've, I've done all that I can do. And they're, they're moving on into other fields. And so a lot of times when guys come to these pastors conference, they roll in on fumes. I mean, it's literally shaking the gas tank, trying to get in like they've really got nothing left. And so one of the things that you're wanting to really um, push forward and really encourage people with is this idea of embracing endurance and finishing well, uh, finishing well, staying in the race, keeping in the fight. And uh, part of what we're able to do is it, that comes from the encouragement we often receive from one another. So Matt, if you want to talk about why that is important to you, and then probably Charles and Cam want to speak to what it's been like this last year as well, as we sort of wrap things up. 
there there have been plenty of times over the COVID-19 that I thought was going to go 20, 21, 22, like it just never seemed to to end. And every decision that that I made, and, and I've got a great, great church, and, and I think Cam would say the same thing, but in, in you too, uh, you know, Josh, it's y'all's. But still, every decision you made, uh, whether it was mask or no mask, uh, vaccine, if you even sent out an email telling people how they could even sign up for the vaccine, you might get that angry email back, you know, that, hey, we don't need to be doing, you know, whatever. Every decision was questioned. And in, in my work with social media and blogs and so forth, the more pastors that I talk to, the more that I find out, they're like, it's, I mean, I know I'm called but I just don't think I have it in me to stay through. I, I just need a break for a while. I've got so many that are telling me that I just need to hit the pause button for, for a while. And I don't know when I'm coming back, that kind of idea. And for, for me, even before COVID uh, hit last year, this was a principle that I wanted to do because far too many pastors I know, as soon as it gets tough, uh, they hit the road. And and then that church then struggles even more. The next guy comes in and then he struggles to, to build that support. And then it gets tough and he hits the road. Uh, or the guys that use a church as a stepping stone. And so for me, I just realized that God happens to be quite a bit smarter than me <laughs> and has placed me in Mayhill, Cam and Orlando, Charles in Colorado, and Josh, you in Jacksonville, uh, not just because, you know, hey, let's just see how it goes up there for a while. You know, it's he has a purpose for us where we're at. And the same is true for the other 70 or 47,000 pastors that we have, where wherever God has placed us. I just want to encourage us to just lay down our roots and persevere when the going gets tough, uh, when things go great. And we might be tempted to be, oh, look what I've done here. I'm going to go to the next big thing. Uh, but just to encourage them to stay and endure and persevere, whether that guy's hanging on by a thread or on cloud nine. And, uh, and so I think that all of us have different uh, experiences. Charles, you've pastored uh, longer than some of us have been alive. And uh, that's not an old joke. That's just reality. And so I know that you have that experience. Pam, you, you and I, we've been at our churches for three or four years. Uh, we're, we're on the early stages of that. And church planning is difficult. You're fundraising. You're doing all of this kind of stuff. You, you quite literally have to build this from the ground up. Uh, me and an established church, in some way, I have to kind of tear it down a little bit, <laughs> some of the traditions that we have in place and, and all of those kinds of things. And so all of us, though, have these struggles that we're bringing in, but yet God has put us here, and I want to call us to persevere no matter what it is uh, that we're facing. And so since I disrespected you, Charles, with the old joke, I didn't mean it as an old joke. <laughs> Charles, why don't you just share kind of your heart for endurance? <laughs> Uh, man, I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of guys come and go and rise and fall in the 43 years of ministry. Um, the pandemic brought uh, a lit, really a, the only joy that I've had in the three years and, and two or three months that I've been doing this job is that I didn't have to pastor during the pandemic. Uh, you know, that that was the only sort of positive thing that I got out of it because I watched these guys struggle, man. The church planners who lost their place to, to meet. Uh, who lost uh, some of the people they were trying to reach uh, to some of the guys that thought they were in pretty solid churches. All of a sudden, they're down to about 40% of their attendance. Uh, some of the guys' income dropped by about 30, 40%. Uh, 
Uh, I saw some of the guys then begin to question uh, their call to ministry and we worked through some of that. Uh, I see some of the guys in some of our larger churches that uh, were more um, were more prone to be more mega and, and reach large numbers of people actually drop more in their percentage than some of the smaller, more established, more traditional churches. Uh, some of our median traditional churches, they hung in there because their membership is primarily still older and they still financially contribute. I've had several conversations in the last couple of weeks with guys and I'm saying, hey, uh, are you still the pastor? Yes. Are you still receiving a paycheck? Yes. Do you still have people coming? Yes. You survived the pandemic. Don't quit now. Don't quit now. This is not the time to quit. And I think I'm beginning to see that there's a little postmortem sort of stuff going on with guys because they realize they've survived and now they're going to have to reinvent and re rethink a whole lot of things. And they're going to have to go back and re-reach the people they had already reached. And uh, so there's, there's just a lot of stuff going on in, with guys today who are serving in these incredible churches, doing great work in some really hard places across our nation. And uh, one of the things why in this conversation, you know, I've not talked about this, Matt, but I was hoping that that Anaheim, California, and I'm going to throw this out there, there might be a way that we could try to get as many small church pastors to Anaheim as possible. I don't know how we could do that, but some of our guys here can't financially afford to go to Nashville. And so they're going to have to watch it online. And so uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of guys right now really doing some assessing and, and reevaluating and, and rethinking some things. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do here in Colorado. And I know there are other guys like me across our conventions across the state uh, who are my, my fellow co-workers are doing the same thing in these states uh, across our nation. So I'm just thankful to serve you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. And I know we're going to close it down here. So, well, before we do, yeah, before we do, Cam, there's no, but I don't think I know any pastor uh, better connected than you. Everybody knows Cam and Cam knows everybody. And so you're hearing from pastors all the time. I know your phone you're getting text messages, phone calls. You're so well connected, not just in your Orlando community, but really with guys all over the country in a bunch of really different and diverse church settings. What are you hearing from guys and what are you hearing about the experience that they've had over these past couple of years? And why do you think that this vision that you guys are casting together is important for what they really need uh, in these next months and year that's upcoming? Yeah, I think um, the situations highlighted by uh, Charles and Matt are, are definitely frequent. You know, the underlying theme of what a lot of people feel is loneliness. And I think that's kind of what COVID-19 has done naturally. Um, it's kind of been a spiritual um, mimicry in the, in the church. You know, people had pre-existing conditions. In the physical realm, COVID-19 just wreaked havoc on their bodies. Um, and if there were churches or situations that had pre-existing conditions and COVID-19 came in, it just wreaked havoc on churches um, and on, you know, sensitive situations. And with quarantine and isolation, uh, preaching the cameras, then having the progress to preaching the face mask. Um, a, a lot of pastors just feel uh, deflated and isolated. And, you know, I think that's one of the beautiful things I'm looking forward to um, having this principle of encouragement is, is that misery um, needs company. 
Um, when you're suffering and you have a cloud of many witnesses and, and brothers that have gone before you and brothers and sisters that are actually in the trenches with you, um, sometimes that's the extra wind in your sail you need to continue to approach the horizon. Uh, personal experience uh, my wife and I had in the trenches of planting um, at, a con at the uh, pastor's conference is there was a moment for prayer. And uh, man, uh, by God's grace, we turned around and it was Ted Trailer and his wife, um, seasoned SBC pastor. Um, and he just prayed for my wife and I during that moment. And while we were in the trenches of uh, fundraising, not sure if we'll make the mark planting in Orlando, we had this pastor um, years down the road who, who just offered um, tangible encouragement because he'd been there. Um, and for us, that that was worth it. That's worth the trip. That's worth the ticket. That's worth the sacrifice of finding a babysitter. And so I would just encourage small pastors, church planters, of course, if there's any way that, you know, we can help and begin to serve one another. But I think this this misery that we're going through can be turned into ministry if we have the company of one another. Man, it's spot on. And, and I know I don't know about you guys. I didn't realize how much I needed our meeting during the summer until I didn't have it. And as I've been getting ready to go to Nashville here in a couple of weeks, I've had people, you know, going, man, it seems like it's going to be real tense. It seems like there's going to be a lot of con a lot of conflict. And I'm just straight up. I'm like, nah, listen, I'm just excited to see my friends. Like, I'm just excited to see my friend. There's so many people I haven't seen in two years in, in such a long time because we didn't get it's like summer camp for pastors. We didn't get to have this moment. And that kind of encouragement of just being around other pastors, you're so right, uh, Cam, that company really does bring healing. And it's such you, you don't even understand what it will do for you. And I would encourage you right now, if you're listening and you're on the fence about going to Nashville, you're like, I don't know if I want to get it, what it will do for you to be around other like minded pastors it will be a balm for your soul uh, if you will come. So uh, the one thing I'll say before I give it back to you, Matt, is if you've listened to this and you've been encouraged by it, you're excited about it, uh, they need you to vote for them. And so we need you to show up on June the 14th at 1.30 to be in the Music City Center during the SEND conference. So when the nominations will be made, make sure you cast an individual. Remember, if you're voting for one, you're not voting for all three. You've got to cast a vote for every single office, treasurer, vice president, and president. Prayerfully consider it and share the vision. If you're excited about this, reach out to your friends and go, hey, listen to what these guys want to do. Why don't you join us and participate this and well participate in this as well? Because that's what I'm excited about doing. So Matt, I'll let you wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Cam. Thank you, Josh. Grateful for all of y'all. And uh, also for all of you that are listening at home or driving or wherever you are, we hope that you were encouraged by it. And like Josh said, whatever you do, whether you vote for us or not, come and be encouraged. Uh, because as they say on SBC this week, decisions are made by those who show up. And uh, so be there. We've got a lot of business to take care of in Nashville. And uh, if you can't make it, I encourage you to spend that week just to pray for the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, as we prepare for that time, a lot of decisions need to be made. And so we need God's wisdom. But until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel we declare. Have a great day and God bless. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We want to connect with you on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast or our website at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com. Until next week, 
We encourage you to check out csbible.com to learn about the Christian Standard Bible, our favorite translation for its blend of readability and accuracy. Have a great day and God bless. What's wrong with you people?